Hello and good night, everybody. Um, I am Dr. Robert Lahita, Professor of Medicine at New York Medical College and Clinical Professor at Rutgers, the New Jersey Medical School. I write a column for the Saddle River, New Jersey magazine called Ask Dr. Bob. In this podcast, I'm going to answer some more medical questions from the interested public, and on occasion, I give commentary. Some of the questions that have been asked by the public are quite good, actually, and one of them is the first that I received for the December 2019 Saddle River Magazine article. What are some good foods that can help prevent memory loss? Memory loss and brain fog is a popular topic among people who are concerned as they get older that they are losing their ability to think clearly. It's relevant to discussions particularly of diet control and diet control of mental health if you believe such a thing. I do believe that if you eat the proper foods good for the brain, then you can begin to see lots of results. The conditions of the aging mind, such as memory loss, Parkinson's disease, and the various dementias, can be controlled somewhat by diet. I'm not saying that Alzheimer's in full bloom or frontal temporal dementia, which is far along, can be controlled by diet. It cannot. But there are some foods that can help you with something called cognition. Cognition is a medical term for brain function. Some of those foods are foods like almonds or almonds, which contain a lot of vitamin E, and that can prevent memory loss and overall cognitive decline. Almonds also contain vitamin B6, that helps the body metabolize proteins, which are responsible for cellular repair within the brain. Whole eggs, not just egg whites, these contain choline, which is also something that helps regulate memory. And some say reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease. Forget about the misguided fears about cholesterol and eating eggs. This fear is real if you've got a cholesterol that's 300 or 400. But for most aging individuals, who have cholesterols between 160 and 220, um, this is really not a concern. You can eat one or two eggs per day, and it's good for your health. I keep a, a bowl, a small bowl of hard-boiled eggs in the refrigerator covered at all times. So if I do get hungry, I go in and, and take an egg and eat it. The eggs also have lutein, which is really good for the health of your eyes. Flaxseed and kale are also very important to your health. Flaxseed contains omega-3 fatty acids, which increases special memory in babies and prevents depression symptoms by some studies. Flaxseeds are also rich in magnesium and vitamin B, and kale is also kind of a superfood. It does just about everything. Researchers say that this vegetable is chock full of antioxidants, calcium, vitamin K, and something called philoquinone. Lutein, which I already mentioned is good for your eyes, nitrates, folate, and alpha-tocopherol. Alpha-tocopherol, we might say, is vitamin E. All of these wonderful ingredients control cognitive decline, according to researchers in neuroscience. And another question came in from a reader saying, Give me one or two common health myths that I can use at a cocktail party to impress my friends. I have volumes 
of myths that can be dispelled. The first myth, which I mentioned above, deals with eggs and your heart. To be sure, eggs are packed with cholesterol, the yolk anyhow, and that's related to heart disease and atherosclerosis or fat deposition in the arteries. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? But it's simply not true. For people with normal cholesterol, eating one egg per day does not affect your total cholesterol or harm your heart. This could be due to the findings that eating an egg fails to raise the cholesterol in the blood in any major way. This is data. The overall benefits of eating eggs far outweigh the dangerous risks. Another wonderful myth is that cold air causes colds. And I have a runny nose periodically, and it's not from going out into the cold. It's from hanging around people that have a virus that caused the cold. Remember when mom said, don't go outside with your hair wet, you might get a cold. Well, this is not how colds happen. Colds come from virus infections and not from going out into the cold. You can be dipped naked in ice water and will not get a cold. You'll get a cold if somebody sneezes on you in an airplane or on a bus. And people ask all the time, why do flus and colds, why are they so common in the winter? The going belief is that people are forced indoors during the winter and closer together where cold and flu viruses spread more easily when we're clumped together. I can recall recently being on an elevator with having two or three people sneezing behind me. In fact, there's a commercial on TV that shows that. So this is really very, very important. Then another question came in, which is really popular, and that is, are vaccines harmful? And there is on Facebook a picture of a baby who is infected with measles, who has not been vaccinated and is very, very gravely ill. And in fact, in my career, which spans some 45 years in medicine, I have seen many cases of severe measles in adults, which, re which resulted in uh, bacterial pneumonia and in some cases even death. So vaccines are not harmful. I almost feel like this should be in the paragraph for myth busting. Vaccines have been under fire and many parents, particularly those from various religious sects, withhold vaccines from their children with the belief that the vaccines will hurt their children and even cause diseases or autism. That's been debunked. Like any other medication, a vaccine can have side effects, and most of these are pretty minor. Some people who are allergic to eggs might have a reaction, and in children, this can happen some hours or days after the injection. Everyone should be vaccinated for polio, measles, whooping cough, and the yearly flu. I just got a flu vaccine, and I must say that this year, the flu vaccine was fairly benign, and I did not have a day of aches and pains afterwards. Children should be immunized and not spared vaccines because of irrational fears. This is particularly true of measles, which I mentioned in a previous article some months ago in commentary that measles is deadly. We have not seen epidemics of measles in this country in many, many years, but it can cause all sorts of terrible things. So please vaccinate your children and you yourself get flu vaccine if you can every year. In fact, most hospitals and lots of laboratories and some schools are mandating that people be immunized against the flu. Here's another question from a young guy. I'm a normal man and want to boost my testosterone. How do I do it and how do I do it safely? In this day of the Me Too movement, 
It's hard to imagine that anybody would ask me that kind of a question and want to raise their testosterone. I've had many experiences with testosterone in patients who did not have enough testosterone, which is in the family of androgens or male hormones. Let me give you a little primer or primer on this wonderful hormone, because it is a wonderful hormone. It's really the hormone of sex drive. It's a sex drive hormone in women as well as in men. The main difference is that men have about 100 times more testosterone in their blood than a woman does. Sometimes men have even more than 100 times. Uh, this is the main male sex hormone. And as I mentioned, ladies have small amounts of it. A man makes most of his male hormone in his testicles, whereas a woman makes her male hormones in her adrenal glands, the small glands over the kidneys. In rare instances where a woman has multicystic ovaries, the covering of the ovary can produce some uh, androgen as well. And that's what causes in polycystic ovary syndrome, the beard growth and the masculinization of the voice, which occurs periodically. I'll cover that in a future podcast. During puberty in boys, physical changes like a deepened voice or muscle growth and hair growth are all the effects of testosterone. For males, normal levels are important for health, even up to old age. So how do you boost it without taking hormones by injections, which happens to be illegal if you don't have one of many conditions that cause a lack of the hormone, something called hypogonadism, which means low gonad function, hypogonadism. Well, there are many ways to raise levels of male hormone. One is to exercise and lift weights, eat a lot of protein, lose fat by dieting or exercise, minimize stress and lower cortisol levels, get some sun and vitamin D, and probably take vitamin and mineral supplements. Sporting activity is also a good way to raise testosterone. Ball players know this. Football players know this. Basketball players know this. Anyone who plays a sport and really exerts themselves, both men and women, raise their levels of androgens. Most of the guys that I know do all of these things and are still unhappy. They would rather take a simple paste, an injection, or a pill to avoid all the healthy lifestyle hints as they get older. The Indian, New Delhi Indian, customs believe in natural testosterone boosters like ashwagandha, which I am sure can be found on Amazon. Infertile men have tried this herb with fair success, if you believe the literature. Ginger extract, mostly from animal data, has also increased testosterone. Another popular herb is something appropriately called, this is a hoot, horny goatweed, or macuna pruriens, which I doubt you get on Amazon. The important thing to know is that the testosterone levels for all of these herbs have been derived from studies in rats or infertile humans, and not for normal men with levels of testosterone that are normal. These are the safe ways to increase testosterone levels. The unsafe way is to obtain illegal androgens that ruin your liver, produce kidney disease, shrink your testicles, make you infertile, and after all that, produce a toxically masculine male, which is not who you wish to be to your wife, your girlfriend, or your family. It's of interest that most young men who are weightlifters would like to see themselves bulk up pretty quickly and get illicit androgens on the street. And of course, if you do that, you really don't know what you're taking, and it can be harmful to your health. I have known many men who have been 
bodybuilders who have had prune-like testicles, something called azoospermia, which means their testes no longer make sperm and they're infertile, and they can have liver disease and kidney disease, and in several cases I have seen deaths. So I think that's enough of my podcast for this month coming December. Much of this will be written in the Saddle River Magazine, uh, which you can get from the publisher of Saddle River Magazine. Um, If not, you can listen to my podcast, and in some instances, this will be published on my website at drboblahita.com. I thank you all for listening and wish you well until next time.